What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Kmart. Welcome you back to another episode of the 310 Podcast. Happy, happy 2022. Yes, family, we made it. We made it through that tumultuous year. That was 2021 into 2022. And yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm definitely looking to do more shows, do more podcasts, bringing that sports knowledge to you each and every each and every week. Um, as you as you all know, hey, your boy had, had a new addition to the family this past summer. So hey, just making sure everything's right on the home front. Everything's going great. Family's doing good. Wife's doing good. Baby's doing good. So man, we definitely had a a real wacky NFL season. It's arguably probably one of the more intriguing seasons that we've ever had. I mean, we have, of course, we had the um, the the start of the seventeen game schedule, as well as continued top um, performances by some of our greats, some of the greats, such as Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Um, we definitely had some injuries, some key injuries to certain players, like Derrick Henry, who missed half the season. Um, you also had some explosion by some some youngsters, like um, Jonathan Jonathan Taylor, who dominated the NFL. And of course, you had some flops um, this season, such as the Colts. Um, you also had—I mean, you just had so much like a plethora of things that went into this NFL season, which definitely made it probably one of the more interesting and more intriguing seasons that we've had in recent memory. So, yeah. So, with that being said, hey, we're in the playoffs right now. Um, arguably, this is the best time of the year, especially the divisional matchups, because you got the big, you got the um, the big dogs coming out. So, and in years past, yes, you would have two teams on a bye. This, um, I'm sorry, in the past, yes, it would be two teams with a bye. Now, the past two years, you've only had one team with, um, I'm sorry, two teams per conference on a bye. So, uh, those teams this year were um, the, um, the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans. And so this week, uh, we definitely have some very favorable, uh, some very favorable and exciting matchups. I'm definitely going to get, I'm going to break down each of those matchups, including what happened during last week's wild card round. And so, hey, sit back, relax, and let's get it. All right, all right, all right, let's jump into it. Hey, we had this wild card. Uh, around last week, which, like I said, I mean, they, they definitely produced some very interesting matchups. Hey, let's jump into it first. Hey, uh, we're starting off in the Queen City, Cincinnati, Ohio. We have the Raiders versus the Bengals. Um, this is the bang, um, this is the return to the playoffs for the Bengals. Um, it's been some time since they've been into the playoffs. Um, against the Raiders, um, the last time that they were in was back in, uh, I believe, 2016. That was the year that Derek Carr was actually having an MVP season, but he broke his leg uh, towards the end of the season. Um, overall, um, Cincinnati, um, um, as you know, I mean, the Bengals um, finally got their first playoff win since the 1990 season when they defeated the Oilers. They took they took down the Raiders. However, there was definitely some controversial calls um, early in the game um, when Joe of uh, Joe Burrow was rolling out to the right. Um, he threw the pass uh, a pass into the end zone. However, there was an inadvertent whistle that went off. And of course, I mean, we, we as a player, you when you hear a whistle, you stop. And so, of course, the Raiders' defense stopped, and the Bengals scored. Which was, I mean, it's very egregious, and honestly, I mean, definitely could have been, uh, definitely could have been um, a real turning point in this game. 
because I mean you just never know. I mean a player stops while um while the game's going on and you throw a TD pass. I mean yeah, and so the NFL really jacked that one up. Um, and there was um there was some significant um uh, news regarding that in that a uh, referee uh, Jerome Boger and his crew will will no longer will no longer ref in this year's playoff. Now kind of implications that it may have um next year regarding like that that certain crew or how that will how that would make their playoff standing maybe in years to come but i mean it's certain things that you just can't have in this league and, and especially in a game of that magnitude where any type of play like that could definitely determine the outcome now that was early in the game um you know still enough time for the raiders to overcome that However, uh, unfortunately, they were, were they were unable to. Joe Burrow had a solid performance in his playoff debut. Um, he definitely got um, some outstanding efforts from um, from Jamar Chase and and his other weapons. Um, and so, yeah, the Bengals um, they they held on to win twenty six to nineteen. Um, the Raiders did have a chance to tie the game late. Uh, they drove down to the red zone, and however, unfortunately, De- Derek Carr cannot get the ball into the end zone. And so the Cincinnati Bengals, like I stated earlier, they finally won a playoff game. They got their, that, 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 that playoff monkey off their back, and so they move on to the divisional round. Um, I'll get into their opponent later on. So um, after that game, you have um, you have the New England Patriots uh, returning to the playoffs after a one-year absence. Taking on those those high flying Buffalo Bills, who have now won the AFC East for the second straight year. This is the first time since uh, the 1991 um, 90. I'm sorry, the 1990-91 season where they won back to back AFC East division titles. Uh, overall, this game was pure domination by Buffalo. Josh Allen was unstoppable. Completed 21 out of 25 passes for 308 yards and five touchdowns. My goodness, I mean, I haven't seen a, a performance like this from a Buffalo quarterback in the playoffs since Jim Kelly uh, shredded the Dolphins defense in the 1990 divisional round. That was a snow game, matter of fact. And yeah, and Jim Kelly literally took Miami's defense apart. Um, this was domination. Um, I mean. Buffalo scored each and every time they touched the ball, which is something that you you probably have never heard under um, against a um, team that's coached by Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Belichick is arguably the greatest defensive mind in this game, and the Buff and he had he, he and his squad had no answers for the Buffalo uh, for the Buffalo offense. Um, Stephon Diggs, um, he stepped up. I mean, it was just an overall uh, solid performance all around. Dawson Knox um, had a solid performance. Yeah, I, like I said, I just have not seen a performance like that from a quarterback in a long time in a play in a in a in a, in a playoff setting. And so Buffalo, yeah, they they move on to the divisional round. Um, Moving on to Sunday's action, you had the Philadelphia Eagles, my Philadelphia Eagles, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And ladies and gentlemen, this game was another game that was just pure, purely dominated by one by by one uh, one team. Um, honestly, I mean, expectations for this game as an Eagles fan, 
I mean, I, I knew this would be this was definitely this was definitely a Herculean and effort challenge, and I did expect my team to play well. However, I was not expecting them to get down thirty-one to nothing. My goodness, Tom, uh, Tom Brady kind of he kind of um, kind of avenged his um, his loss to the Eagles in the Super Bowl after the twenty seventeen season. Um, they simply dominated. They um, won thirty one to fifteen. The Eagles, yeah, they got a couple um, late TDs to kind of make it make the score look respectable. But anybody who saw that game knows how bad how badly the Eagles were all played this game. Um, Tom Brady pretty much took the game over from from the from the first drive on, driving down, scoring a touchdown, just to kind of set the tone. Twelve plays, seventy five yards, and honestly, I mean the Eagles had a shot bust off the field. However, the defensive end for the Eagles, who is notorious for having personal foul penalties, had a big one um, against Tom Brady. Which, I mean, if you guys remember on Thursday night or when they played earlier this year, uh, Derek Barnett and Tom Brady kind of got into a little shoving match after uh, after a turnover. And, of course, Derek Barnett, this time around, hits Tom Brady. And, of course, you know the refs are not going to allow you to go low on the Golden Boy. That's, like, rule number one. And that right there, that pretty much set the tone for that, in that entire game because after that, pretty much Brady just ding and dunk, ding and dunk his way downfield and scored. Um, one thing I was definitely disappointed with my Eagles is the fact that the lack of adjustments. Um, I mean, one of the things that I was hoping that would happen was to put Darius Slay, lock him up against Mike Evans, who is Tampa Bay's best and only real legitimate wide receivers. As, of course, you know that they don't have Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. However, smart as they are, they moved him around, moved him around on the field and got him on matchups that favored that favored the Buccaneers. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the Eagles uh, coaching staff and especially defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon did fail to recognize that and move Darius Slay all around to help help um, counteract that. Very disappointed because pretty much Mike Evans had his way um, during this game. Um, he did catch a couple passes on Slay. But for the most part, he did his work on everybody else. He had nine catches for 117 yards, uh, one TD, and a long of 36 yards. Like I said, Tom Brady, like I said, was Tom Brady, 29 of 37 for 271 yards, two TD. He did take some sacks. Um, because a couple of his offensive linemen were pretty banged up this game, and I'll get, in, I'll get into that a little later on. But um, one of the things that I definitely uh, was definitely, um, like I said, I was definitely disappointed with the Eagles was, like I said, the fact that it just they just didn't they just seemed to step behind. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that I mean they were a bit rusty. I mean, I, I don't want to say rusty because I mean, of course, yeah, they didn't play the previous week against Dallas and um, they pretty much rested their their starters. But like I said, I me, mean, it just seems like this entire team seemed a step or two behind Tampa Bay. Jalen Hurts in his uh, first playoff action struggled. Uh, he completed 23 out of 43 passes, 258 yards, one TD, two picks. Um, overall, it was not an impressive performance. Um, at times, I mean, he he seemed he seemed lost. 
um, looking more to kind of uh, jet out the uh, jet out the pocket instead of uh, going through his progressions. He did have some some um, some open wide receivers. However, he chose to leave the pocket instead of kind of go through his progressions. One another disappointing thing was the fact that they did not get Devontae Smith, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago, into the action a lot earlier. Uh, he only had uh, four catches for 60 yards, but all of that came late. Um, one play particular that definitely frustrated There's a couple plays that really frustrated me this game was um, early in the game, the Eagles had to, Dallas, to tight end Dallas Goddard, uh, who is was supposed is supposedly the heir apparent to Zach Ertz. It was a perfectly called screen. <coughs> went through hand and it dropped and that play would have went for pretty much that could have literally put them in the red zone and definitely could have definitely changed the course of that game possibly but in plays like that I mean especially when you're playing the defending Super Bowl champions Tampa Bay you got Tom Brady on the sideline you gotta make those plays count and unfortunately the Eagles did not. Another play that definitely frustrated me was it was a play where Devontae Smith shook one of the defensive backs and Jalen Hurts was rolling. He threw it, and which has been an issue with Hurts this year. He's late on delivering his passes. He threw, um, he threw, uh, he tried to fire a rope, however, was picked off. Devontae Smith was wide. And if Jalen Hurts hits him a little bit earlier, that's a touchdown. Um, another play, I mean, the Eagles just had too many turnovers. And then, of course, last year's first round selection, Jalen Rager fumbled um, fumbled a, um, a punt return, which definitely just put the game away. Um, that play pretty much right there just kind of sums up a total, game, a total day of frustration for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, yeah, I mean, it's definitely some things that they need, definitely need to work on, and I'll talk about that more when – I dropped my uh, my Eagles own podcast, and we'll definitely get into the nuts and bolts of that game. But Tampa Bay, they move on. Um, moving on to the um, the late game on Sunday was the Dallas, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, this matchup is football purists. I mean, they these two have significant playoff history with one another. Uh, this was their. Um, their eighth time matching up with the Cowboys holding a five at that time, holding a five to two advantage. However, San Francisco won the last playoff matchup back in the 94 NFC title game. That's like a team that was filled with uh, pro bowlers and hall of famers, such as uh, Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, uh, Charles Haley, Darren Woodson, Leon Lett in the crew going against Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters, uh, John Taylor, Deion Sanders, that, that squad that one, um, and the 49ers won that one, ended up winning the Super Bowl against the Chargers, and which stamped them with their fifth Super Bowl championship. This year, the rivalry is reborn. Um, overall, I mean, it started out early. I mean, San Francisco, I mean, you could tell that they were dominating, uh, especially at the line of scrimmage. I mean, their offensive line was pushing Dallas around, which was definitely surprising because Dallas had a very solid defense this year. Um, they had one of the poorest a year ago, however, with some offense, um, with some defensive uh, um, adjustments and bringing in Michael, Michael Parsons this year. I mean, they definitely rose in the ranks of defenses this year. 
But San Francisco, um, they definitely pushed Dallas around. They got off to an early lead, and especially with the running game, which is something San Francisco does very well. They're one of the best teams in the league in running the football. They got off, like I said, they got off to a good start, got off to lead. However, um, they jumped, and they, like I said, they dominated. San Francisco actually dominated this game. They led um, 17, um, I'm sorry, 16 to 7. However, you know, it was 23 to 7. However, remember, he was Jimmy G and threw a costly interception, which pretty much um, opened the floodgates. Um, when, that, when that interception took place, San Francisco, San Francisco was up 23 to 10. However, like I said, after that pick, Dallas comes down and scores. Um, and they pre- they cut the lead to six. San Francisco offense becomes stagnant. Dallas gets the ball back. Um, San Francisco does have a defensive stop, which leads to um, pretty much the, the final the final few minutes of the game, where, um, like I said, San Francisco they could have they stopped the uh, the Cowboys on downs. They had a chance to ice it. Um, they had um, they hit Debo Samuel on a reverse. He was stopped just short. It was fourth and inches. And of course, San Francisco, they like, you know, hey, look, let's just wrap this game up, which is a, which is smart, because at that time they had lost Nick Bosa, their their all pro uh, defensive end, as well as Fred Warner, their best line, their best, uh, arguably their best defensive player. And so they knew it was going to be definitely difficult to stop Dallas, especially with their top two defensive players out. So Kyle Shanahan, which is smart, he went for it. And of course, Jimmy G. And mind you. When motion, when one other thing, what happened was Jimmy G did not give offensive linemen time to set. And as soon as the offensive lineman went into motion and, and sat down and, and and stopped, Jimmy snapped the ball. However, you're supposed to sit. You're supposed to at least give it at least a second to make sure that everything is set before snapping the ball. So of course, Jimmy had the first down. However, if he would just waited. Game would have been over. No need for the extra drama. However, San Francisco has to punt. I mean, it was a penalty. San Francisco has to punt. Dallas gets the ball. Dak drives downfield, which, I mean, which is smart. He's using. Dak starts hitting, um, like, the out, um, the out patterns to the sideline to stop the clock. They get all they get all the way down into, to about, about the 40. And, of course, uh, and for some odd reason, I don't know why Dallas decided to call um, a quarterback draw when you have no timeouts left. And typically, when typically um, most players say, hey, the cutoff is like maybe about 16 to 18 seconds to where you'll have a legitimate shot at spiking the ball. However, Dallas, they ran it with about 14 seconds, about 15 to 14 seconds. And of course, they didn't have enough time. Um, and of course, San Francisco wins the game. My thing is, why would you call a, a draw in that particular situation where you know you know that you don't have no timeout, and of course you have a referee who is a lot older in age, so of course they're not going to be as fast to get downfield. It was just complete idiot, just a complete idiotic play by Dallas. Loses in typical Cowboys fashion. They lose 
They lose in heartbreaking fashion. And of course, San Francisco moves on. And of course, Dallas fans, they're pissed off. They start throwing things at the referees. Maybe, maybe a couple things at some players, but and, but the thing um, that was definitely kind of baffling was Dak kind of kind of encouraging um, the Cowboy fans and kind of just saying, "Hey, hey, they had a reason to to be mad and throw stuff." So, and of course, I mean, he kind of back, he kind of um, he kind of walked it back a few days later, and the league still find him. Um, it's, it wasn't a good look um, overall. I mean, I do understand. I mean, I mean, I definitely do understand why Dallas. I mean, it was silly, but I mean, I just I understand because San Francisco was guarding the out of bounds line, so they had to get something up the middle. But it's that's play like that is just too risky. But with that being said, how about them Cowboys? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Dallas chokes. A lot of Cowboy fans were. We're celebrating the week prior when Dallas, they beat up a Philadelphia Eagle squad that did not play their starters, and Dallas put up a 50-burger. I told everybody that, I said, hey, watch what happens when they actually play an actual football team that was at, that's actually trying to win, and that's what happened. They ran to San Francisco, who was trying to win, and they got smoked. And honestly, this game is a carbon copy of this season. Uh, I mean, Dallas, they, they pretty much tried to rely on Last minute heroic. They got they they got down one too many times this season and tried to come back and they couldn't. And that as well as just having just subpar performances by your uh, by your players. I mean Dak. I mean he was wasn't really the same after that um, after that 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 quad. No, I'm sorry that that calf injury at around mid season. He was never really the same. Um, I mean, true, yeah, he did. I mean, and the Minnesota game, you saw when he came back against Denver, he struggled. Um, he did. They did put a 43 against Atlanta, but like I said, they're playing a subpar team. When they played like the legitimate big boys, like 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 Kansas City, they struggled. They only put up nine points against the Chiefs. I mean, they struggled against. I mean, they struggled against um, against Las Vegas on on Christmas Day and had to rally order in in. I'm sorry, they had, they had to rally for that one only for the Raiders to win in overtime. And like I said, I mean, they beat up the, um, the NFC East, which is, and like I said, even though I'm an Eagles fan, the NFC East was very subpar this year. And like I said, it, it, like I said, it just shows that, hey, look, I mean, you could beat up the weak teams in your division. However, when you play a team that's physical, that can actually play the game, you're going to struggle. And that's what happened. So with that, so with that, Dallas is going home. Um, moving on. Um, later on, later on that evening, and I know for myself, I was pretty much hyped after the Dallas loss, which pretty much made up for my the Eagle debacle earlier that year. Um all eyes really weren't on the Kansas City Pittsburgh game. And like I said, I know for certain, like I said, I really wasn't really too concerned with that that game because I already knew Kansas City was going to mop the floor with Pittsburgh. And honestly, I mean, especially just because of the fact that Kansas City was coming on, their offense was rounded into shape. And honestly, Pittsburgh's offense has been anemic all year long. And I believe that's just due to really the arm of Big Ben not having it, not having that juice like he used to have. And so... Um, 
pretty much dominated this game, and they pretty much had no regards for the Pittsburgh for the Pittsburgh uh, for the Pittsburgh defense. Kansas City ended up winning forty-two to twenty-one. End of Big Ben. We don't know. I mean, he he did announce his retirement. I mean, I just hope that he doesn't pull a Brett Favre, retire one minute and decide to come back and next. I mean, like I said, it was it really it was just a really awful performance. I mean, Kansas City did. I mean, the Pittsburgh they did get on the board first with um, T.J. Watt with a fumble recovery. However, from there, it was pretty much a wrap. I mean, Kansas City scored on the next three, um, the next um, the next three possessions, and in the second quarter, and overall, it was thirty-five to seven when Tyreek. Um, after Tyreek Hill scored on a 31-yard TD pass from Mahomes. But overall, like I said, it was just a flat-out domination. Like I said, this goes back to, like I said, Kansas City was really starting really to come on, especially that offense. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, they put up 28 at Denver, 30, uh, 31 in the losing effort versus uh, the Bengals. They put up 36 a few weeks prior, the day after Christmas against Pittsburgh. They put up 34 against the Chargers. They put up 48 against the Raiders. And like I said, that's like I said, that's after two subpar performances versus um, Dallas and against Kansas against the Broncos. Like I said, I mean the Chiefs' offense is starting is starting to hit its stride at the right time. I mean Patrick Mahomes this game uh, versus Pittsburgh was 30 for 39 for 404 yards and five touchdowns. And like I said, Travis Kelsey is back to his all-pro form with five catches for 85 yards. And of course, Tyreek Hill um, had a solid performance. I mean, it, even though it was like he had five catches for 57 yards, but the explosion was back. I mean, they and I remember um, before the game, there was definitely some question marks about Hill because he um, had a heel injury that he hurt um, prior uh, prior to, to the end of the regular season. So Kansas City moves on in a dominating uh, fashion. Pittsburgh goes home and which leads us to the final um matchup of the wild card weekend was the la rams um being the um, the arizona cardinals 34 to 11 at so five match matthew stafford got his first ever playoff win and i mean it wasn't a real inspiring performance by matt stafford um he was 13 out of uh, 13 out of 17 for two for 202 in two tds but the biggest thing was the running game uh, was dominant. Uh, Sony Michelle uh, had 58 yards, and the biggest surprise was Cam Akers, who literally was like is several months removed from shredding his Achilles, and he and he looked explosive. He looked fast out on that SoFi turf. I mean, he caught he caught some big pass. He caught a pass for 40 yards from OBJ. And rushed for, and also he also rushed for 50, uh, 55 yards, and just overall that's a that's a big weapon coming back for the Rams, and yeah, I mean they they definitely need that. Um, the Rams defense was arguably to me the story of this game. Um, they dominated the high flying Cardinals. True, they didn't have um, they didn't have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. However, they dominated Kyler Murray. They made him look very pedestrian. And remember, I was talking to you guys about Jalen Hurts earlier. If it wasn't for, for Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts' performance was what would have probably been the worst showing in um in the wild card weekend. Kyler Murray, he just he just he didn't seem to have it um this game. I mean, he seemed he seemed he seemed nerved. I don't know if it was just playoff jitters or what. 
but just for some reason, he just seemed off. I mean, he was 19 out of 34 for 137 yards through two with, with two picks, and he threw probably the ugliest pick I have ever seen. And <laughs> like they were backed up in their um, in their own end zone, and he was getting ready to get sacked. However, he tried to just kind of pop shot it, tried to throw it out the end zone, but he landed right to a Rams player, and he picked it off and scored which definitely just kind of salted the game away. And just overall, it was just a horrible performance for Murray and the Cardinal team. This team, me started off, I believe, if I remember correctly, they started off 7-0 and um, during the regular season. However, they came crashing down um, toward the end of the regular season. I mean, maybe it was the fact that they didn't have D-Hop because, I mean, it just seems like, every, like ever since he went down, this offense went down with him. And so... Um, the Rams move on. Um, like I said, I was definitely um, definitely uh, surprised that they um, they can say the Rams. They definitely got some good performances out of Von Miller. Like I said, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey kind of held it down. Just the on overall dominant defensive effort by the Rams. And so they move on to the divisional round. Um, we'll definitely get into that in a moment. All right, all right, all right, everybody, I'm back. Let's get to it. This is arguably the best weekend of the NFL season, divisional round weekend, because record-wise, you get the big dogs coming out. So that means Tennessee's coming off a bye. You got the Packers coming off a bye. And like I said, there's some juicy matchups uh, for this divisional round weekend, starting on Saturday. So let's get right into it. We got the Cincinnati Bengals coming off their first playoff victory since the 1990 season, facing the Tennessee Titans for the first time in their franchise history, have home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. This is definitely game is definitely significant because Derrick Henry returns off that foot injury that he suffered in Week Eight, going against the Cincinnati defense, a Cincinnati team that is 0-7 in playoff games. You have a high, you have a Cincinnati in their highest flying offense with uh, quarterback Joe Burrow, along with Jamar Chase, who should be rookie of the year. You also have T. Higgins as well as Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon also mans the uh, the running game, and C.J. Uzoma, who is um, arguably uh, who is their best tight end. And so, this matchup, to me, honestly, could be the upset of the weekend. Um, there's typically, there's typically always, there, there's always like that one upset um, on divisional round weekend, and I, I think this could be the Bengals weekend to get that upset. Um, they're play, facing the Tennessee Titans team, like I said, I mean, they're pretty much banged up this year. I mean, you had injuries to Derrick Henry, who had a foot injury after week eight. It's remarkable that he's actually back, but that dude is a, it's a physical specimen, so I'm not really all that surprised. Um, you have, um... You have AJ Brown, who is Tennessee's arguably, who is arguably Tennessee's best wide receiver. He's coming off an injury injury plagued season, and you also have Julio Jones, uh, um, the possible future Hall of Famer, who definitely had his share of injuries with hamstring injuries. Then he had COVID, came back and got injured again. I mean, this was this is our this is Julio's probably this is his worst NFL season, and. Like I said, I mean, and like I said, you're going to against a Bengal team that could put points on the board. Like I said, do, uh, do the Titans have enough to uh, to to match up with uh, with the Bengals? I don't know. 
Um, Tennessee's defense, they're they're pretty much like right in the middle in terms of defense this year. Um, honestly, yeah, this is definitely one of those matchups where I think the Bengals should win, even though it's in Tennessee's backyard. And like I said, the Bengals are all the Bengals are zero seven in role playoff games. So something's going to give. Something's going to give. But I'm gonna take I'm taking the Bengals in an upset victory this week. Um, I mean, they have the swagger, they have the momentum. And yeah, they're right high with that offense. I think they can go into into Tennessee and get it done. Which in in a sense, Tennessee has in the past has not been good at home during the playoffs. Remember, a couple years ago, they had the um they had uh, the home field advantage in their um their matchup their wild card matchup against Baltimore, and they took an L. Um, they've also taken L's um in the past at home. So this is you know, say, I mean. Tennessee could be ripe for the upset picking. And like I said, and that's why I'm going with the Bengals for the for the upset win this week. So moving on, later on Saturday, Saturday evening, you have the San Francisco 49ers coming off that emotional win in Dallas, taking on the arguably the league's best um um the league's MVP in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um the Packers, like I said, they they've been they've been resting. Uh, they come in um with a thirteen and four record, and and we're pretty much like before giving uh, before giving up that um, taking an L uh, during that meaningless game against Detroit. Green Bay was on a roll. Um, they last they last uh, suffered. They have not suffered um, a defeat since uh, the twenty first of November when they took an L to the. I'm sorry, no, it it wasn't even that since they lost to Kansas City. Um, on uh, November 7th, that was the game where Aaron Rodgers sat out due to COVID. But ever since then, the Packers have been lighting it up. I mean, they beat Seattle 17-0, but they put up 34 against uh, the Vikings. They put up 36 against the Rams. They put up 45 against the Bears. They put up 31 against the Ravens. They came back on Christmas Day. They put up 24 against the Packers. Put up 37 against the Vikings to close it out. And even in a, even in a defeat, to the lowly Lions during a meaningless game, they still were able to put up 30 points. So the Packers, they're coming in, they're coming into this thing rolling. And honestly, yeah, this is this is the one team that, man, especially when you get them in Lambeau, I mean, this could be this could be um doomed for the 49ers. The thing with the 49ers is that they must, they must have they must have a solid run game. So and because at the end of the day, you do not want the ball in Jimmy G's hands making the final decision. Because as you know, he will remember that he is Jimmy G. Um, the weather is supposed to be 12 degrees at kickoff. Probably will die. Probably die diving to the single digit as the game progresses. But um, like I said, this um, this game right here, like I said, San Francisco must must rely on the run game, or else this game will be a rout. Very early, and because Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they are they're this like they're they're they have ESP like they're they're both on the same wavelength. They both know what each other is thinking, and that's scary heading into the playoffs. And so, um, I'm gonna pick the Packers to win. Um, I think, like I said, it just to me, it just I would like I said I would pick San Francisco, but the fact that Jimmy G is their quarterback. And he does have a tendency to turn the rock over. 
I think he I think he'll throw a couple today, and I think Green Bay will win pretty much in a laugher. Um, the first game on Sunday pits the 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 Los Angeles Rams traveling to the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Rams coming off beat of that beat down of Arizona, and to me, the biggest question right now is injuries to the Bucks. Um, their offensive line last week they took a beating versus the 49ers. Both um, Ryan Jansen and Tristan Worth are both questionable, and yeah, that's going to be huge playing against that Rams stout front seven, starting Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. Um, to me, one of the uh, one of the biggest mat things is can the Buck can the Rams pressure Tom Brady? Because yes, you guys know Brady likes to get the ball out in like one like uh, like in about two seconds, one two go ball out, and every now and then Brady will hit you deep. But the thing with that is. Brady's targets have been severely depleted over the last month. I mean, there's no Chris Godwin. There's no Antonio Brown. And, of course, what's going to happen is Jalen Ramsey is going to be matched up with Mike Evans. So there's a, that's a possibility that Mike Evans could be taken out of this game. However, I think Tom will give him some passes. But will it be enough? I don't know. Because, unfortunately, unlike the Eagles, Jalen Ramsey will pro- will travel with uh, with Mike Evans and even go into the slot. So this is gonna this is gonna be a very interesting matchup to say the least. Um, I do know the um, the Bucks. They definitely do have some other injury concerns. Um, I know uh, Sean uh, Murphy Bunton, one of their defensive backs, is questionable. Ronald Jones, um, their running um, their backup running back is is out. I did see that Leonard uh, that they did activate Leonard Fournette. For tomorrow's game, so playoff Lenny is back. Um, what kind of shape he'll be in, we don't know. Um, but right now, at the end of the day, though, I think it's going to come down to Matt Stafford. Can he can he make enough plays to offset Tom Brady and to beat that vaunted Tampa Bay defense um, led by defensive coordinator uh, Todd Bowles? We'll see. We'll see because Tampa Bay. I mean, even though they do have some injuries, they do have a solid front seven. Um, I do. Um, they definitely know how to get pressure, and so, like I said, and I believe Andre Whitworth is not going is not going to be playing this game. So that's a major loss for the Rams. Moving on, um, but I'm sorry. In um, my prediction, I got Tampa Bay winning this game, and moving on to the NFC title game. Um, the final game from divisional round weekend is Pitts, the Buffalo Bills facing the Kansas City Chiefs. Two former AFL squads, um, they've matched up a few times in the past. I do know, remember, uh, Buffalo beating Kansas City uh, in the divisional round in 91, as well as Buffalo um, beating Kansas City in the AFC title game in 1990, uh, the 1993 season, which was Joe Montana's final AFC title game performance. Um, these teams, um, they, also, they met for the AFC title game uh, title last year with Kansas City uh, pulling it out and going advancing to the Super Bowl. Um, these two teams, they played earlier this year with Kansas City literally mopping the floor. I'm sorry, with Buffalo mopping the floor in Kansas City, 38-20. to 20. And honestly, it wasn't even that close. Um, Kansas City's pretty much has found their footing after a, after starting off the season pretty uh, sluggish. Um, their offensive stars have, start, have started to round into shape. Um Tyreek Hill has been um, 
made it on uh, some explosive plays last week versus Pittsburgh. Travis Kelsey has just been dominant, has been flat out dominant this season. Uh, to me, I mean, honestly, his best game was against the Chargers um, on that on that Monday night, which was 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 a straight up shootout. But Travis Kelsey has been balling. Kansas City defense has been solid. However, um, they I mean they did finish eighth in total defense. However, they were number twenty seventh against the pass. And what does Buffalo like to do? They like to pass the rock. So Josh Allen is definitely going to have some opportunities to pick apart this secondary. Um, can Kansas City uh, pass rush get there? I don't know. Um, but um, but the thing is, Kansas City they have to deal with Buffalo's defense, which is arguably the best, arguably one of the best units in the league this year. Um, they they have been extraordinary this year um, with creating the, uh, turnovers. Um, shutting down um, opposing uh, opposing offenses, they finished number one in total defense. So that's going to be very critical um, against Kansas City. And plus, Buffalo was number one against the pass this season. So Kansas City, they definitely, even though they have the home field advantage, they have their work cut out for them this year. Uh, one of the things that Kansas City did struggle with this year was against the run. Uh, there were several teams that um that ran right through them like um the uh the New England Patriots on that on that um on that that windy night in Buffalo. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, and that windy night in Buffalo, they the Patriots literally ran right through the Buffalo Bills. And yeah. And even to I me mean, despite that, I mean, and despite having some sluggish uh games where they lost to uh, an Urban Meyer-led Jacksonville Jaguars and got the doors blown off them by Indianapolis. Um, they, the Buffalo Bills, they were able to rebound, beat the Patriots um, towards the end, um, towards the end of the regular season, and as well as into the playoffs, they just they dominated there. They won the AFC East, and now they have a chance to advance to the AFC title game. This is um, this is a big one. Um, I believe um, this definitely will be the probably the best game of the weekend. I have the Buff, I have the uh, Kansas City Chiefs pulling it out. It's going to be a close game, but I think Buffalo, I think Kansas City just has just that uh, that bit much, and I think they'll be able to pull it out in advance. And so, yeah, so yeah, this is definitely um, like I said, the best weekend of, of the year. I can't wait till it starts. And so, with that being said, hey, I'm gonna take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Okay, everybody, I'm back. I'm back. And so uh, one of the things that I definitely want to get into is the coaching vacancies for this uh, for this offseason. Right now, there are about seven teams that are looking for head coaches heading into the 2022 season. Um, so far, I mean, we've seen uh, these coaches fire. We've seen Jacksonville fire Urban Meyer. The Broncos fire Vic, uh, Vic Fangio. The Vikings find, uh, firing Mike Zimmer. The Bears finally getting rid of Matt Nagy. Um, the Jets, I mean, I'm sorry, the, um, the Giants firing Joe Judge and a surprise was the Dolphins, um, relieving Brian Flores of his duty. And also, I also forgot, um, the Texans also firing, uh, David Culley. Um, the two notable firings that I, um, that I definitely want to talk about is David Culley and Brian Flores. Um, David Culley um, has been pretty much an NFL lifer. Um, I definitely hate that 
this he was in this predicament because honestly, going into this season, he was in a no-win situation because the Texans they already had a situation where they fired former coach Bill O'Brien, who pretty much traded away all the important um, important pieces to the Texans, such as DeAndre Hopkins, along with J.J. Watt, basically leaving the cover bare with just nothing but Deshaun Watson. And the Texans, of course, um, had a terrible season the year prior. Deshaun Watson wanted out, and all these uh, the se- these sexual assault um, allegations started to rise to the surface. And so the Texans, they pretty much they one and one of the things and real quick and I'm sorry, I, mean, I, I do I forgot one thing um, before all these allegations came out. <coughs> Deshaun Watson definitely made it clear to the Texans organization. Mind you, they the, the Texans also uh, extended his contract. Deshaun Watson wanted some input on the next coaching hire, which I totally understand. He um, he wanted um, Eric Bieniemy. However, the Texans didn't hire him. I mean, the Texans didn't interview him until late, and he didn't get the job. And so the Texans they hired David Culley. Deshaun Watson did not want to. He did not want to um, play for the Texans. He 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 wanted out. And so what happened? And then eventually these sexual assault start uh, charges started to come out, which was pretty damning in itself. So Deshaun Watson. So the Texans they pretty much just shut down Deshaun Watson. Basically. Leaving basically leaving David Cully in a no-win situation. He was not going to win with this roster that had already been gutted by the previ- previous regime. You don't have a uh, your star quarterback Deshaun Watson, even with even when uh, they did have him. I mean, and like I said, even with the cover bear, because like I said, they traded DeAndre Hopkins last year. De- Deshaun Watson was still putting up solid numbers last year, and. The fact that, like I said, David Cully was put in a no-win situation like this was beyond terrible. Let me read you what Deshaun Watson's numbers were in 2020. He passed for 4,823 yards, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and a, and a um, 112.4 passer rating. That is phenomenal. But yet, with, with these allegations surfacing... Deshaun, and then of course, I mean, Deshaun Watson decided. I mean, in the Texans, they just kind of just decided to shut him down for the season. David Cully was just basically just a, he was just a lame duck coach. He was a lame duck coach. Um, I already knew what, that this hire was gonna was was a sham anyway, and I already figured that after this season, David Cully was gonna get fired, and of course, that's what happened. He got fired, and so. That part, yeah, that definitely kind of sticks. That kind of stinks right there. But like I said, honestly, like I said, to me, he was just a fall guy in a pretty bad situation. And honestly, and you know, and believe it or not, the Texans, they actually did, even though they won four games, you could tell that they played hard for him, for David Culley. I mean, they had, I mean, it, like I said, it was just, a, unfortunately, he was just a sacrificial lamb in this whole situation. Um, I, I just, I really wish that he didn't get his first coaching gig this way. 
because honestly, I think he's a very good coach. I mean, he's been around for a while. He's been with Philadelphia. He's been around Kansas City with Coach Andy Reid, and yeah, I mean, he's a he's a he's been he's been he's had some tread in the NFL. So it just stinks all the way around. It really does. And the second um, coaching, um, the second coaching um, fiery I want to talk about is Brian Flores. Um, Brian Flores, formerly he's uh, he's a former disciple of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Um, he was pretty much starting to build something in Miami. Um, they were built. They were um, building pieces. I, I do remember Deshaun Watson originally wanted to be traded to Miami because. Um, Brian Flores was coaching, was coaching um, over there, and yeah, Miami. Yeah, they definitely struggled this season, and they got off to they got off to a real rough start this year. I mean, I mean, they won their first game against New England, and and after that, they pretty much dropped their last maybe five or maybe six, seven games, and then on four, and then they they damn near ran the table. And almost got to the playoffs and finishing up with a nine and eight record. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that was a hell of a coaching job by Brian Flores in a situation where, I mean, you're, yeah, you, you don't really have like the best options at quarterback. I mean, it was, a, they had a lot of injuries both to their offense and defense. However, they were able to rally in just a, just one, um, one week away from making the playoffs, I think they could have done it if, if they didn't. If they um, they didn't suffer so a couple, a couple crippling losses down there. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I really hate that Coach Brian Flores was fired because to me, I think he was definitely building a solid foundation with the Miami Dolphins. He had Tua um, back there, and honestly, I think like with a solid with maybe with another season. Maybe, maybe they would have gotten Deshaun Watson. Maybe, I think they could. They definitely could have made some noise because the AFC East is. is I mean, there's no Brady in the AFC East. So, I mean, I definitely think that Miami could have had a solid chance in returning to the playoffs. So, yeah. Those, so those, those, so those are, are a few of like the coaching firing uh, that's been out there. Um, I do know Rich, but uh, um, the Raiders coach. Um, the Los Angeles, or, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they uh, they still have their coach, uh, their interim coach, uh, Rich Bashata. Uh, I cannot pronounce his name, Rich Bashata. Uh, um, he still has the interim tag. I mean, I, there's talks about possibly Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan and going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, there's word around that he does. He's definitely interested in returning back to the NFL. As many of you remember, Jim Harbaugh coached the San Francisco 49ers for several years and making it to a couple conference championship games as well as Super Bowl appearance where ultimately he lost to his brother John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. So um, I definitely hate um, one of the things that I'm definitely really interested in is this Rooney rule. As many of you know, the Rooney rule kind of gives a minority uh, minority coaches a shot at, um, at interviewing and hiring. Um, I know the NFL, like they, they tried to implement, um, that, that ruling that if they do hire a minority coach, um, they get an extra draft pick. I hate that. I really, really do because it kind of makes it seem as though it's like, I mean, we're kind of like the token ones. We're the token ones to get the interview. I mean, man, how come a coach just cannot make it, cannot get an interview and a job off of his own merits and off of his knowledge of the game? I don't know. I mean, 
Will it change? I don't know. But with Brian Flores is fiery and David Coley's fiery, this only leaves Mike Tomlin as the only African-American head coach in the NFL. Mind you, and it's crazy, like with the league mostly being African-American in terms of its players, you only have now one African-American coach. That's not good. That's that's a terrible ratio. But, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you can't really tell I me mean, until we get um, maybe like some African-American ownership in the NFL. I believe that is the only way that this can change. But until then, I mean, you're not going to tell these billionaire owners who they can and who they cannot hire because of course you hire what you're most comfortable with and so unfortunately they're comfortable with these white coaches coaching these black players so that's who they're going to hire it's sad but unfortunately that is the harsh reality and honestly it definitely needs to change and so um with that being said hey that brings us to a close of another episode of the 310 podcast i'm your man k mark hey i want to thank you guys for just sticking around i know that i've been inconsistent with my with my um with my shows dropping but in 2022 i plan on dropping more shows um definitely um if it's definitely if you're an eagles fan definitely um look out in the coming days because i'm gonna drop an eagle uh, my podcast on my eagles own podcast and so um with that being said hey if you want to hit the show up hit up hit me up at the 310podcast at gmail.com let me know what you think let me know what you think about these playoffs um who you got winning at all I know I said before the start of this season, I said Kansas City and Green Bay with Green Bay hosting that Lombardi Trophy. Um, I'm almost there. I'm almost there to my predictions. And so, hey, let's see what happens. So with that being said, hey, I'm going to catch up with you guys later. Peace.